is going on? It is the Ethos Clippers podcast coming at you bright and early on a Saturday morning after the Los Angeles Clippers lose again. It is now five in a row since the All-Star break for the Clippers. A loss at home against Sacramento, at Denver, at home against Minnesota, and then at Golden State and at Sacramento. Of course, we'll break down the loss last night at Sacramento, and then we'll also look ahead to what lies ahead for the Clippers. Brandon Marcus here with my buddy, my compadre, the number two to my number one, the 1A to the 1B, Matt Matawarren with me on this Saturday morning. How are you, Matt? Brandon Marcus, Sports Ethos Clipper Nation, how the heck are you? It is bright and early, kind of, on this Saturday morning. Um, I'm I'm reeling a little bit. I had to do some some more inward reflection, and like you said, realize that I'm not the lead dog. I got to be a number two. I'm a I'm 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 with Paul George on this one. Oh, hey, that's a great way to start this podcast because uh, I wasn't even going to go there initially, but I think that's actually a really good way to start this pod with how terrible PG was in the first half yesterday before realizing that he is an all NBA type guy and ended up with a very good line. Once he finally decided to score the basketball in the second half, what'd you think of those comments? Because um, I am very disappointed in them. I'm kind of getting sick of PG and the way he continues to treat his role. First, he was complaining about, how this team didn't have that ball handler and that a guy like Russell Westbrook would ease the burden on PG and Kawhi from having to create their own shot. When in reality, your stars do bring up the basketball a lot. And that is what PG and Kawhi are going to have to do late in games. It's not going to be Westbrook. And then he goes and says that um, where he talks about on his podcast, how he really had to accept that he was going to be the number two behind Kawhi. And he looked like a number three or number four in the first half yesterday. What are your thoughts on that? Because I don't like that he has that mentality. Uh, I think that he is really shorting himself in the amount of talent that he has. I remember when Law Murray came on this podcast and said that in terms of raw talent, PG has more than Kawhi. And yet it seems like PG just doesn't want to take on all of the... I don't, I don't know, the playmaking, the scoring, everything on his shoulders. It feels he doesn't want to take everything on like a number one score and number one player would do. What are your thoughts? Yeah, and he still only had 16 um, shot attempts last night against the Kings. It's almost as if he's hedging a little bit, you know, in, in saying that I'm the number two. I'm not the lead dog on this team. We need a ball handler. It's like it's like if you want to get into people are going to call him playoff P. He's like, hey. I already said I'm not the I'm not the number one. You guys heard it; it's on record. Mm-hmm. He's he's doing a thing that we were you and I were talking about fantasy, our, our respective fantasy teams in the playoffs and all that stuff before we uh, before we started recording. And it's kind of what my fantasy league gets mad at me for doing. I'm sort of the reverse jinx on myself, kind of is what I refer to it as, where I'm like, yeah, well, my team's not that great. I probably I don't even know if I'll make the playoffs this year. I, mean, I won't get a buy. Like I probably won't make the playoffs. You know, you guys have the teams this year. You're a little bit better, and it's just kind of hedging. And uh, I don't I don't know if Paul George actually believes that he's not that talented. I can't believe that he doesn't. Um, I think he's just saying it to sort of maybe just take some of the burden off of himself. I, I don't like it. He yeah he looked terrible in the first half yesterday. 
to go back to the game. He still only ended with 16 shots, and he's got to get up, I mean, 20-plus, probably closer to 30. Um, Brian Seaman was mentioning it yesterday that, you know, uh, he had he had a 40-point affair one, uh, one of the last times that Kawhi was out, and he put up, about, I think, about 30 shots, and that's, that's what's going to need to happen with or without Kawhi. He needs to be 1B to Kawhi's 1A or vice versa because regardless of rest, regardless of whoever's going to bring up the ball, these are the two stars and these are whose backs that the Clippers are going to need to ride. So pushing for Westbrook, claiming that he's the number two on the team, I don't like it and I wonder if it's just sort of hedging against any criticism and take and just trying to take some pressure off of himself. Yeah, and that's the issue, is that it really feels like he's trying to take pressure off himself and he's not willing to take on that scrutiny that goes with a number one player. And when you say you're a number two, you don't get scrutinized as much. I mean, it really feels like Tobias Harris is not scrutinized as much as James Harden. And it's one of those things where, of course, Tobias Harris is probably number three guy there. But you get what I'm saying, is that by taking some of the burden off yourself, perhaps you're trying to ease any scrutiny that comes forward, which is just not the way to go about it. Because guess what? You are the one that ended up costing Shea Gilgis-Alexander a bunch of first-round picks, Danilo Gallinari. I mean, there was a lot that went the way of OKC to get you. So guess what? You have to be treated as that number one guy. A number two guy does not get traded for SGA, who most likely is going to be all NBA, either second team or third team this year, and then all of the draft picks as well. Like He needs to start to realize that he is that number one right next to Kawhi. And it's embarrassing that he has a game where Kawhi is sitting and he takes four or fewer shots in the first half. And it's the fourth time this season that he's attempted just four or fewer shots in the first half, according to Tomer Zarli. That's just not good. It's, it's something that he needs to realize. He needs to be aggressive and he needs to score the basketball. And finally, he was more aggressive in the second half but still, it's just not good enough. And if you're going to have that mentality, you, you got to switch it off. I mean, you got to figure it out because there are going to be nights where Kawhi is struggling. I mean, Kawhi struggled recently and Kawhi didn't pick, I mean, and PG didn't pick up for him. And that's what you need to do, as you were saying, as that number one guy, that perhaps there will be nights where you are the 1A and Kawhi is the 1B. And it's a bad mentality to have. And I f- think, frankly, Matt, I don't know if you agree with me, that kind of is the mentality of this team. It feels like they're just not ready to take on the responsibility of a contender. And I said it in the beginning of the year that I really felt like they thought that they could just cakewalk into the playoffs and then go and win the NBA title. It feels like they think they're entitled to the playoffs. When in reality, they've won nothing. They went to the Western Conference Finals once. They've won nothing. This team needs to start to prove it on the basketball floor. And that means winning and winning against good teams. Yeah, and, and and to piggyback on that because you bring up a great point. It's a mental or or on court play, right? And that'll permeate throughout the team if if you're not if you don't have that killer instinct, that mentality. And it's a mental thing too, right? If Paul George doesn't want to lead the team mentally and spiritually and physically on the floor, and he's requesting a guy like Westbrook because we need some toughness. No, you need to have the toughness as the guy who, like you said, we traded all these pieces for. Uh, SGA draft dra- draft pick upon draft pick upon draft pick, and it it does break come to a, a mental aspect as well, which is why you know you're saying what you're saying about being a number two and especially requesting a, some toughness, quote unquote, in Westbrook 
you get some toughness. You're you're one of the best players in the league. Yeah. Um. It, it, and and then like you said, it permeates throughout the team. We we all know that the Clippers unfortunately feel like the the playoffs um were were just theirs for the taking. Regular season doesn't count. It's it's obvious in their play. There's no spirit. There's no there's. I was saying um I really feel like there's no care. Yes. And I don't I don't just mean that they don't care, but they're careless as well. They, yeah, possession by possession by possession, you can watch, and there's just there's not focus, there's no um, care at the care, like I said, and there's there's really no drive, and it's it's really frustrating to watch, and it it's I I don't know exactly how it's going to correct itself, but we did get some word earlier as you were saying that maybe changes are on the way. Yeah, it, it certainly feels like they're going through the motions and, and expecting that wins will just come, which is not the case, and so that does move us to the Marcus Morris news where Andrew Greif of the LA Times and if you don't have an LA Times subscription highly recommend it Andrew does fantastic work um, for the Times he reported that he's hearing inside the Clippers um, somewhere somehow someone's letting him know that Marcus Morris is being prepared to come off the bench going forward and this apparently started before Thursday's game against Golden State during shoot around that Morris is being prepped to now come off the bench when he does return. And so that begs the question, who replaces him in the starting lineup? Because here's the thing, and this goes back to what we were saying a couple of podcasts ago, that the issue with Westbrook is that he just completely messes up your rotation and the amount of minutes that you're going to give to certain guys. So if you're going to start Russell Westbrook, that means you have one guy on the floor who can't shoot. If you're going to start Zoo or Plumlee, which is most likely going to happen, and by most likely, I mean 100%, another guy that cannot shoot. So that means you need to have someone on the floor who can shoot the ball from three. So the question is, does that mean Batum slides into the starting lineup? And if that's the case, does that mean that Robert Covington perhaps will come back into the rotation, God willing, after yesterday's fantastic performance and be a guy off the bench? Or... We've seen this before with Ty Lu, where you think that all you're going to do is promote somebody from the bench to the starting lineup, and that's how it's going to go. Instead, he just throws someone random who hasn't been getting playing time into the starting lineup. So could Robert Covington go into the starting lineup to replace Marcus Morris? Because he can spread the floor and shoot the three ball. Or do the Clippers go small and go with Westbrook, Eric Gordon, Kawhi, PG, and Zoo? Personally, I think it's going to make... Um, a difference who you're facing, whether this happens, whether it's going to be a small ball type lineup, or if you're going to go bigger, what would you like to see? And what do you think is going to happen? Uh, and I'll let you go first and I'll go second. Well, what would I like to see? Here's a novel idea. How about Russell Westbrook and Marcus Morris come off the bench mm-hmm. and help run that second unit? That would be, that'd be nice to see. Uh, I don't know that that's necessarily going to happen. So if we're just talking about who's who's replacing a senior in the starting lineup, um, I kind of would like to. I'd like it to be Batum, quite honestly, um, just to just to get that that defensive impact immediately. Uh, he's got some shooting around. You know, he's been pretty great from three this year. Uh, Covington, I could I could see in there, but he feels more like, and it is going to be matchup dependent. But um, so, yeah, I, what I would like to see is Russin Sr. coming off the bench and we put Mann mm-hmm. and Batum in, in that starting lineup. Um, you could even switch Eric Gordon, I suppose. But 
man and man and Batum in the starting lineup is what I'd like to see. What I think is going to happen is, like you said, unfortunately, I have a feeling Ty Lue is just going to start rotating guys in to see what works um, in the in the tinkering that he that he always does. But I, I would hope Batum would settle in there. So here's the deal, and you and I talked about this at the All-Star break, that they had 21 games out of the All-Star break to figure it out. They've now played five, which means you can do the math. They've got 15 left. And so if that's the case, you can't tinker around. You can't bring guys in and out of the starting lineup and see what works. I really feel like you need to settle on something. And I agree with you when it comes to the Westbrook man thing. You and I have talked about this at nauseum, so there's no need to even go too deep into it. But we both think that man should be starting over Russell Westbrook because the issue with bringing Russell Westbrook is in is that you're guaranteeing him a starting job. And that means 25 plus minutes that goes with it. And that means limiting the other guys minutes that need to get those minutes such like such as Terrence Mann. So if they do keep Russell Westbrook in the starting lineup, which I would be very surprised if they don't, then um, I think I agree with you. I think it will be Nico Batum that will start. The question is, what does that mean for the second unit, if that's the case? Does that mean that Marcus Morris comes off in the second unit? So then you have a second unit of Eric Gordon. Remember, no Norman Powell now, so that does change things a little bit. Eric Gordon, Terrence Mann, Marcus Morris, and who is the fourth? Is it Robert Covington? Is it Plumlee? Is it all? Is it both those guys? I think that's going to be the funny thing to watch. And it's going to be comical because it feels like it's going to be the exact opposite of what we want, what we want to happen. Because if you're going to trim your rotation and let's just keep reminding ourselves, no Norman Powell. And I still was able to just name 10 guys. Then what's going to happen is Robert Covington even going to re-enter the rotation. And I would imagine the answer I would think would be no, but there are some weird cryptic comments from yesterday's game where Robert Covington said he talked to Ty Lue and he said that he understands what's happening and he said to stay ready. And Ty Lue had praise for Robert Covington after the game. It feels like when that happens, there's something going on behind the scenes. So I wouldn't be surprised if Robert Covington entered the starting lineup and that would be just a smack in the absolute face to just wake you up, to be like, what the hell is happening? After all these games of DNP, for him to go from DNP to starting would certainly be something. But I don't know, man. How do you cut this rotation? Because I just named 10 guys, and that doesn't even include Norm Powell. So what do you do? Because if you are going to have Morris come off the bench, does that mean a DNP possibly for Morris? Or does that mean most likely you won't see Rocco? And you won't see possibly someone like Eric Gordon if you're going to go eight deep. Well, let me tell you this. First of all, Brandon, you look you look great in a tinfoil hat. I love I love that um, theory about Covington coming in, and that is that is a smack in the face, and uh, but a good one. You know, after all these DMPs, it it it'd be very strange. You kind of stole the words out of my mouth, though. I'm actually kind of seeing senior sliding down the ladder pretty significantly. Um, especially they're talking, I think they're bracing us for some DNPs for him, quite honestly. So I think he could actually be one of those guys that's cut out of the rotation. Uh, we're not, we're not even, we're not considered, we're not worried about bones right now. That's not a, that's not an issue, but you, th- I find it hard to see Eric Gordon getting cut out. Yeah. I can definitely see the minutes 
decreasing, obviously, and with no with no Norman Powell. Do we know do we know the extent of his injury or not yet? Yeah, it's a shoulder subluxation, I believe, and so it, I would be surprised if he's back within the next three weeks. Okay, so that so that kind of solves a little bit of that. Unfortunately, I mean, you don't want to see him out. But yeah, I, I would be surprised if he's he's back. I mean, maybe for the last week or two of the season is when we're probably we'll most likely see him. Is my guess. Right, and don't even, and I don't even want to say it, but hey, maybe he'll be back for the plane. I, I, I don't want to say that. Yeah, come but. on. You and I have talked about that. It's, it sure <laughs> looks like it's heading that way. So it, my, my goodness. I, I mean, what do you do? I mean, because it really feels like we know that Kawhi's going to play. We know that PG's going to play. We know that Zoo is going to play. We know that Russell Westbrook is going to play. So we know Batum is going to play. And the question is, man, Morris, Gordon, Covington, Plumley, which of those guys are going to play? And it feels like Terrence Mann at this point has shown that he deserves to be in the rotation. But again, I think he went and played, what, seven minutes in the first half against Golden State? So again, we have seen that Terrence Mann continues to be buried at times by Ty Lue. It just feels like this team right now, Matt, in my opinion, can't defend. And that's why part of me thinks that Robert Covington enters the starting lineup because you have a guy who's long that can you compare with PG and Kawhi, who, by the way, the two of them have been garbage defensively too compared to what they are capable of. And that is a very key caveat compared to what they are capable of. And then you have Zoo, who we know is very good defensively, and Westbrook's been fine. I mean, there's nothing about him defensively that has really impressed me. So I think you bring in Covington, and then you see what Westbrook, PG, Kawhi, Zoo, and Roko can do offensively. Because I think it needs to start with the defense. Defense leads to offense, my friend. And so that's why I think I think I'm leaning towards Covington entering the starting lineup, but I don't think it'll happen. I do agree with you, and I think it will be Batum. I think it'll be Batum as well. And to your point, um, five games since the All-Star break, 0-5. The Clippers are tied for last in defensive rating with the Pistons and the Rockets. So that's the company we're keeping right now as far as defense is concerned. Yeah, not good. That is, it's not good at all. And if you are the Clippers, you've got to figure it out. I think they have either, I think they have 16 games left. I think I did the math wrong um, on that I wasn't, wasn't going to say anything. Yeah, it's either 15 or 16, either way. So you get my point. There's not a ton of games left. And it really feels like the issue with Westbrook, and you and I talked about this, it's not that he hasn't been decent for the Clippers. I mean, we knew that there was a possibility that he could adjust his game. I didn't think he would, but kudos to him, he has. The issue is, is what it's done to the rotations. And you can look at the Clippers and say, yeah, sure, they didn't look that great in the games against Golden State and Phoenix before the All-Star break. But guess what? They won. They beat Golden State by tw- by 10. They beat Phoenix by 9. They beat two teams that, sure, may have been shorthanded. But guess what? You know who else was shorthanded? Golden State on March 2nd. And you lost. I mean, it's one of those things with the Clippers. A win is a win. And the rotations have been messed up. And now you got to figure it out if you're Ty Lue. If you're going to shorten it, what's going to happen? And does that mean Morris is a DNP? Does that mean Westbrook moves to the bench? Does that mean Mann might become a DNP? Because here's my fear. My fear is two things, Matt. Number one, my fear is that Ty Lue hangs his hat on the small ball lineup. And what we have seen from Plumlee so far with the Clippers is that he can really make an impact on a ball game. He can rebound the basketball 
and he can adjust and move his feet defensively in the paint and contest shots, something the Clippers do not do, and they allow way too many looks in the painted area. So I think you need to have Zoo and Plumlee both be playing, and if you want to go small ball, I think it's for a very limited time. The Golden State Warriors did it best. They also had Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Kevin Durant, and Draymond Green. Okay, so this is not the same team. You can't just go small because you think it's cool and it helps you out offensively or spreading the floor. You need to rebound the basketball. You need to play defense. You can't do that when you don't have a center because this team is not good enough rebounding the basketball. You need a center. So that's my fear is that this team goes to a small ball lineup way too often. And at the same time, we see Terrence Mann's minutes get limited as well because you need to force Marcus Morris to get his, Eric Gordon to get his, and who else decides to come off the bench? We'll see. But that's where I am right now with this team and my fears. Yeah, I, sh- I share your fears. I um, I, f- I feel like it's a detriment uh, that small ball rhymes. It just sounds good. If if there was some sort of more, if there's some sort of catchy phrase to get a center in there, and I can't think of it off the top of my head, but I'll come up with it. I'll have it by the next pod. Um, you know, it just sounds good. We're gonna run small ball. We're gonna, you know, it, it's just mm. it's catchy. Uh, in in that in that when Andrew Grief tweeted out his his article, which was great about uh, senior possibly being sidelined, he said that uh, the upcoming Clippers game and schedule, or especially the game where Marcus or where senior could go to the bench, it would be an inflection point in the season. And it it is late in the season, but I am hoping that is true. That this is something like some sort of spark, something happens, and I'm just, I'm trying to keep the faith here, Brandon, mm-hmm. that that something can turn around. Tyloo figures it out. He figures that small ball is, you know, as cool as it sounds, doesn't always work. And we can't just rely on that because like you said, we don't have the personnel to, to run it effectively or the way that he, he would want. Yeah. I mean, you look at golden state, Kevin Durant and Draymond green could rebound the hell out of the basketball. You're looking at the guys like Marcus Morris and Nicholas Batum and Robert Covington and a few of those guys can rebound, but not quite the level of Durant and Draymond. Like, that's why you need a center in the lineup. So that's my biggest fear is that the Clippers go small too often. They go away from a center. At the same time, they're so focused on Russell Westbrook that it limits the minutes of other guys in their rotation. So I think the biggest things right now that we're seeing is that PG's not playing to his level and the rotations can't figure themselves out. And... You mentioned that it really it's that Andrew Greif said that Memphis seems to be the game where the rotations are going to be slimmed out. And I'll be curious to see what that means. And also, I think it's going to you can't tell what this Clippers team is going to do until Zoo is back and calf injuries are no joke. And I don't know how long Zoo is going to be out. Hopefully he's back against Memphis, but you'll have a couple more days to rest him if not, because they don't they don't play again until Toronto. I mean, you look at the Clippers schedule, you get Memphis Sunday. Toronto Wednesday, New York Saturday, and then Golden State the following Wednesday. So the Clippers only have three games in a 12-day span. That is a lot of rest. And you know what that means? That means a chance for Kawhi and PG to both rest and nurse whatever's ailing them. And it's very possible that with these back-to-backs coming up and with all of this um, time off, we might see Kawhi and PG play in both games of the back-to-back against Orlando and Portland on Saturday the 18th and Sunday the 19th. That's certainly a possibility. But this team needs to figure it out, and they need to do it soon. Because i, I got to tell you something, Matt. This team's not fun to watch. 
And I'm longing for the days of Lob City. I'm longing for the days of Elton Brand and Darius Miles. I don't care if they're losing games. They were fun to watch. This team just doesn't show any emotion on the court as if they care. And that's a problem for me right now. The care factor, that's, I mean, I thought NBA cares, but apparently the Clips don't. Hmm. That Saturday-Sunday back-to-back, the Magic um, and the Trailblazers, it, it, it's a strange one because it's a home in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not that far. And Saturday's game is, a, is an afternoon game. So that gives a little bit more time, not, not by much, but a little bit more time for rest, uh, though they do have to travel, but only up to Portland. So I predict that, that both players play in that back-to-back. But to watch the clips, you're right. I'm trying to have fun doing it, and it's hard. You're, you really have to look hard at these games. You really have to focus in if you, if you, you know, want to put a smile on your face and cheer because, it's yeah, it's, it's a slog right now, and it's careless – it's it's fo- there's no focus. Uh, we don't I don't know where we're going. The rotations are all over the place. The rotations. I mean, it's the, it was the most obvious thing. Even our even like our good friend Dan Bestris, when he does his fantasy pod and he's talking about the Clippers, he barely talks about fantasy at all. He just talks about how the rotations are screwed up. I mean, it's like it's 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 fairly obvious to everyone. So we'll see what happens in this Memphis game. I'll be there Saturday, like I said, um, at the Crypto.com Arena versus the Knicks to see it firsthand and hopefully things are a little trimmed down by then but I'm I'm so curious to see what's going to happen. Yeah, um let's talk a little bit about last night and, and what we mm-hmm. saw because the Clippers go down big um and then come back and to nobody's surprise they blew it at the end. It's just the way it goes, they end up losing the game. Uh, PG, we talked about him already, so I don't think there's any more reason to talk about him. He finished with 28.7 rebounds, 8 assists, but uh, it doesn't tell the whole story that he was a disappearing act in the first half. Um, Robert Covington, we talked about and how good he was, 15 points, 4 rebounds, 2 steals. And I've talked about plus-minus a lot. It, don't even look at his plus-minus. It's a minus 5, which doesn't seem good. But you look at all the starters, they were a plus. This, this game was lost because of the bench and because... Bones Highland and Amir Coffey shouldn't be seeing the floor. And when that happens, your only real bench players are Covington and Mann. And Mann was fine, um, not great. And so with those two players, if you perhaps give a Kawhi Leonard into the starting lineup and put Batum on the bench, and then you perhaps, I don't know what you want to do in terms of Morris, but you have those guys off the bench, you're in better shape. But Last night, Russell Westbrook, 27 points, 10 assists, a steal, and two blocks. He had five turnovers. Um, Now that you've seen Russell Westbrook for a long period of time, what do you think his role is with this team, and how much do you think he should be playing? Yeah, he had five turnovers. The team actually only had seven. Which Which is is amazing. Surprising. Yeah. Um, They just couldn't make a free throw. One of those turnovers... So they they charged that that turnover to Westbrook, the pass from Eric Gordon at the end. I don't know if you you know the one I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, went through his of, hands. Yeah, that went through his hands. They charged that to Westbrook. I guess it could, could have gone either way. Um, for who would have gotten that turnover? But as far as Westbrook's role, like sure, he's he's not playing poorly per se. I mean, he's certainly putting up numbers, even at two blocks and a steal, only two of five from the line. But we know we know what that's all about. 
so his play his play is fine. You can't really blame the play. Sure, he has a lot of out of control. I don't know what he's doing. Every time <laughs> when he drives into the lane, and and he did it with the Lakers, it, it, but when he drives into the lane and, and tries to spin, like away from a defender, it never and ends up in a positive result. It's always like a turnover or a wild layup that I don't even that usually doesn't even get rim. It's it, every time I see him start to spin, I know something something terrible is going to happen. But it just goes back to rotation. It's you, you have to look deeper than Russell Westbrook's numbers. You have to look at everybody else's numbers and specifically minutes. Like man, you said 22 minutes. He could have played more. Uh, and I think maybe I mean he wasn't super effective last night but you know we could have seen him with some more minutes instead of bones who was terrible or coffee who was just kind of a ghost out there uh so westbrook's role i guess it's going to stay what it is for the time being as far as we know but i really think if he bought into a bench role and 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 played the way that he's playing now and sure get out of control a little bit off the bench that's fine but in 36 minutes of play even with the 27-10, and it's just it it trickles down to be detrimental to the rest of the team. So I like the numbers he's putting up, but I don't like the amount of minutes. That's the worst number to me that he's getting. Yeah, he was also two of five from the free throw line in a game that yep. the Clippers lost by one. Um, exactly. So that is certainly something that I brought up when the trade happened. Was that sure he may get to the line a lot, but he also shoots pretty terribly at the free throw line and the Clippers last night watched Sacramento go 26 of 26 from the free throw line while they went 19 of 27 and guess what you lost by one so free throws were very critical yesterday and it's just one of those things with Russell Westbrook that he has done well and he has bought into the role he's taken some dumb shots um, in the last couple of games at times and shots you don't want him to take um, a certain fadeaway in the painted area late in the game is is one of those and I just don't want to see him shoot that much. And when he has 16 shots, that, that's a lot. He was tied for the team lead in shots. He was 12 of 16, which means he was getting some good looks. Uh, but it just feels like this team is better off with Terrence Mann starting. But if Westbrook's going to start, that's fine. But I think if Westbrook starts, you got to make sure that you have three guys that can shoot the hell out of the basketball with him, with PG, Kawhi, and then a third. And that's the only reason why you may not see Robert Covington is because I'm not sure you could put Covington with a zoo and a Westbrook. I'm not sure that makes sense, it, it, but it may make sense to have Westbrook play more of a bench role, like you said, and put him on the floor with a Batum, a Morris, and a Terrence Mann, have those three guys, and perhaps a guy like Kawhi and PG on the floor as well, come playoff time, you have those four with Westbrook, and that can cause some damage. But kudos to Westbrook for for coming in and caring and giving a shit because that's one thing with this team is that there are times where it doesn't feel like they care. Um, I just want to see someone actually take on a leadership role. And I don't think Westbrook can be that guy because I'm not sure the guys respect him enough yet because he's barely been there. So yesterday's game was unfortunate. I think it was the fact they went down early. I think that had a lot to do with PG's hesitancy and just bad defense. And that's why I mentioned earlier that I think you need to start off better defensively. And that's why you may see a guy like Robert Covington on the floor. Um, but yeah, the, the limited turnovers was certainly something that you like to see T PG with only one turnover in 34 minutes, but it's just frustrating, man. I look back at yesterday's game. And it's another one. The Clippers should have won that they didn't win. And, and I think that's the most frustrating thing about it. Yeah. These games have been so 
close for the most part coming out of the break. So it's really frustrating. And defensively, I mean, as good as Plumley has been, and he's been great, Zoo gives you so much more down low yeah. I think, uh, as a defensive presence. So when he comes back, I'm not going to say it's going to round into shape completely, but there should certainly be an upswing in uh, defensive efficiency once once Zoo is back there. Get that calf healthy because yeah, you're like like you said, those are no joke. Those those calf injuries. Yeah, it's it's dangerous because that, that a calf injury could turn into something pretty serious, and you can't lose Zoo. So if he's got to take some time, let him take some time. Um, I mean, I, I hate to say it because every game means something now. But Plumlee's done a decent job, and I'm just curious to see if the Clippers are going to run out of time with figuring out the chemistry. I think that's the biggest thing, and that's what you and I talked about, that it'd be nice to have a trade done sooner rather than later and not wait till the deadline, because you do that, and all of a sudden you only have 23, 24 games left once the trade deadline ends, and you got to figure out the chemistry, and then you bring in a guy in Russell Westbrook with 21 games left, and you continue to mess around with the rotations. I mean, you're running out of time. The Clippers right now, you look at the standings, and they're the eight seed, which is just awful compared to what they were earlier in the season when they were sitting in the top four. But they're three games back of the four seed. They're not catching the Suns. They're not catching the Kings. They're not catching the Warriors with Steph Curry coming back on Sunday. So now you are one game back of Dallas and a half a game back of Minnesota. And you need to get in that sixth spot. And if you don't get in that sixth spot, then you're asking for a matchup against either Utah, who could be a problem in the playoffs, or the Pelicans, the way these things are going. I mean, who knows what happens with the Thunder, the Blazers, and the Lakers, but the way things go, do you really want to face off against Ingram and Zion and McCullum again in the first round? I, I mean, in the play-in, I just don't think you need to do that. I don't think you want to do that. I think you're asking mm-hmm. for trouble there. And so the Clippers need to start winning ball games. and I don't know if they can with the way they're playing and the way they can't figure out chemistry in their rotations. I think that's the main problem for me. Every game coming up is so huge now. I mean, I'll be watching the Kings closely tonight again because they're playing the T-Wolves. Dallas has a game against Phoenix on Sunday, so I'm just going to have my eyes peripherally looking at that while I focus in, of course, on the Clips and to see if we can get some much, 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 much needed wins. I I know we talked about this on the last pod about keeping keeping the faith in the Clippers and all that, all that good stuff. I, I still have some optimism i there's 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 a glimmer of hope when Kawhi comes back when zoo eventually comes back if we can string together some wins i know that the clippers have it's been such a weird season there was a four game losing streak early in the season a six game losing streak later on now we're at a five game so all these streaks so if the pendulum can swing in the other direction perhaps there can be some momentum going into hopefully what will be the playoffs and not the plane brandon what's your faith factor right now are you are you in a, a Anywhere near a good place, or is it doom and gloom? No, it's doom and gloom. I just don't think this team has played well. I don't like the energy on this team. I just don't think this team has shown enough care and not taken the regular season seriously and think they're entitled to the playoffs and think they're entitled to going deep um, in the Western Conference. Ooh, just and, got an update. Yeah, John Morant has been suspended for at least two games. So okay, we'll see what that means. Uh, that means no John Morant tomorrow. Uh, but guess what? Tyus Jones is a pretty good point guard. Oh, so uh, we'll see what happens there. Um, suspend at least two games will be interesting. I think that's just a, a chance for them to look more into it, and it could be even longer. But we'll see. And so no John Morant tomorrow as we're about to end this podcast. Um, but they'll still have Jaron Jackson Jr. who causes problems. They'll still have Desmond Bain who causes problems. 
So we'll see where this team goes, um, but we'll certainly be watching. Game on Sunday and then not another game until Wednesday. We're going to try and get a podcast out between Sunday and Wednesday. I'm out of here. Um, I'm headed to Vegas um, in the beginning of the week. So it does help that the Clippers have all these games spread out and there's not many games. So most likely we'll see what happens. Maybe a podcast Monday. If not, then we'll uh, have one at some point Thursday or Friday. Uh, We might be able to swing one. We'll see what we can do. And we'll go from there. So uh, a big thank you to everybody. Remember, you can follow me on Twitter at BD Marcus. You can follow Matt on Twitter at Matt Warren. Matt Matt Warren. M-A-T-T-M-A-T-A-W-A-R-A-N. Follow us both, of course, at Ethos Clippers on Twitter. Rate and review the podcast. Always does always something that we appreciate. And remember, you can always correspond with us on Twitter as well. We've gotten a couple of people that have reached out in the last week or so. So we appreciate that. And we enjoy talking to people that are listening. So until next time, I'm Brandon. He's Matt. And go Clips. Get a win. Get a win. Go Clips. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.